1: We're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. whatever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www. Dot Sal's Neighborhood pizzeria.com Or give my man a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's For an authentic Italian meal Today's show is also being brought to us in part by Fight TV Hey, you want to watch all the great fights That you can't watch on your regular television provider? Don't worry about it Visit billycboxing.com And click on the Fight TV player that's right. All of the fights that are available on Fight TV, whether they're free or pay-per-views or whatever, can be watched right on the front page of BillyCBoxing.com. So you can bring it with you with your handheld, and on your computer, on your tablet, whatever. Just watch all the uh, action on Fight TV. And speaking of Fight TV, download our free app. Just go to BillyCBoxing.com and click on the banner That says download the free app. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino From Bondage to Baddest Man on a Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of it right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Find out why I'm so adamant about uh, educating everyone on my man Tom Molino, Uh, A piece of uh, boxing history, a piece of American history, a piece of black american history that you all need to know whether you're a boxing fan or not so get yourself a copy right now barnesandnoble.com amazon.com if you want a signed copy just visit our website billycboxing.com and uh click on the uh book you can't miss it it's uh right there on the front page uh coming up a little bit later uh we got dax khan um joining us and uh I just I, listen today. Obviously, Monday we talk about all the fights that took place uh, over the weekend, and uh, Deontay Wilder crushed. destroyed Berman Stavern in less than around two minutes and fifty-nine seconds. Was when they officially waved it off. Stiverne was down not once, not twice, but three times. Um, my early opinion on this, and and I'm torn because honestly. And, and no one has been more critical of Deontay Wilder than yours truly. And the reason is because he pounds his chest and says he's the best. And he really hasn't fought anybody to uh, justify those statements. Uh, he didn't fight anybody to justify those statements Saturday. But I truly believe that Deontay Wilder thinks he's the best and wants to see if he's the best. I got some quotes to uh, back that up, but, but I, I just want to say this. Deontay Wilder, in less than three minutes, at least, and, and, and I know what you're going to say, Stavern was, was basically there for a payday. There's no question about that. But at least Deontay Wilder showed me something. And, and I'll tell you what he showed me. And, and, and I know two minutes and 59 seconds is not enough to show you anything. But what Deontay Wilder showed me is two things. Number one, he employed the jab, which uh, basically was good. I mean, this is what this guy has to do in order to be competitive with the real fighters in the heavyweight division. He's got to have a jab, and he's got to wait for his openings and lay the hammer down, which he did on Stavern, which is his right hand. The other thing uh, that uh, that I thought that he did was he was supposed to annihilate Stavern, and he did. He took care of him quickly. You know, I-, I can't stand when fighters are supposed to destroy an opponent and then the opponent lingers on and on and on. And that's been the case with Stiver- with uh, Deontay Wilder's opponents in the past. The Eric Molina's, uh, the Johan Duopause, etc., they're supposed to be blown out of there and they hang around and uh, make Deontay look bad, in my opinion. He did look good. It was only uh, for one round... Less than one round, two minutes and 59 seconds. Joining me right now with his thoughts on the fight is my man, Sal, Rocky, Senicola. Your thoughts, Mr. Senicola, please.
2: My thoughts, I'll tell you this, Billy C. Yeah, I'll tell you. Deontay Wilder did exactly what he said he was going to do. He was going to destroy and knock out um, his opponent. And he did. He did. Uh, Pronounced Tavern. He just destroyed. And It happened with that jab opening up, and then he crushed him with that right hand, that first right hand, smashed him right in the face. And, of course, he went down. And we all saw the fight, and uh, he was relentless. And what we have to see or admit with this uh, fight was the fact that, hey, he had the, the desire, the heart, and the wanting to be the best exhibited right in front of our eyes. He destroyed Molina. He destroyed Severn just as he should have. And as you pointed out, I can't help but uh, reflect back to one of your earlier emails from last week because when I saw his wide stance, twice the length of his shoulders, and his arms flailing from all angles, all I could think about was the comment of a drunken octopus. But <laughs> let me tell you about it. this guy, he, he's dangerous. And I'm going to tell you, he is dangerous. Because you don't know where these punches are going to come from, he did establish a jab, and he does have power. And uh, with that being said, I I think uh, it's fair to say that uh, there's going to be a showdown. We got to face a sh- forces showdown between him and Anthony Joshua. What's your thoughts?
1: Well, first of all, before we get into that, um, okay. Wilder. Uh, sure, show. I forgot. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's all relative. What Wilder uh you know it, it, what he did was basic one oh one in boxing uh, well, yeah. I shouldn't say that um you know it it you learn it early on it's called the one two and that's hey. what he displayed, and he used he did it behind a jab, which has been dormant. hey remember something the last time we saw Deontay Wilder employ a jab was against berman stavern i mean he he you know mentally has has known. That he's been put in with less than stellar opposition and he's gone in for the kill forgetting about you know breaking a fighter down forgetting about the jab etc it seems that when he is in there with what he thinks is a legitimate opponent he fights a little differently now uh, my question has always been you know how do you just flip that switch when when you know in 39 fights uh you uh uh, you 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 only use that technique twice, um, and, and everything else it's 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 bombs away. You know, um, listen. I, he looked good against DeVern. Now the question is this: Did Stavern lay down? I mean, did Stavern come for the payday? You know, I, listen. Stavern looked like a fat piece of garbage in that fight. All right? he did. he looked he, like he a was, bum. He looked he,
2: like just a punching bag. He was, and that's 15, all, he was heavier than ever he, was, he was, ever 15,
1: was. Fifteen pounds heavier than the last fight. Hadn't fought in two years. When they interviewed like him, man. when they interviewed him, he was like, you know, he didn't, he couldn't even find any words. He, he couldn't even, no. he couldn't even find any words to, to, to BS about. You know how great a shape. was. I told you guys a long time ago. They reached out to me to have Staverne on this show for an interview leading up to this fight. And I said, hey, our requirements now, we like to have the guests come on. Uh, we like to put a camera on them, etc., etc." And, well, he's training in, in Vegas. Well, you know, we would need him at 6 a.m. Oh, no, he's not waking up that early. Well, right off the bat, I said to myself, Sal. I remember. Most fighters are running by 6 Most fighters are done with their road work at 6 a.m. Or at least getting up, having their Cheerios. I I, mean, you know, come on. You know, this That's guy didn't exactly want to right. roll out of bed. You know, I, and and it was indicative of what we saw on Saturday. This guy came for the payday. There's no question about it. And, and I'm not going to blame uh, uh, Deontay. Deontay no, fought who they put can. in front of him. You know, they put a bum in front of him, just like all the other 38 uh, fights, and he won. You know, so... I, I mean, it is what it is, but I, I given credit where credit's due, I thought Deontay Wilder employed his jab for as long as it lasted, less than a round. Uh, he looked good, you know, um, for that against this guy. Um, I, I mean, at least we got to give him that, right?
2: Well, yeah, like I said, he uh, he does impress you with, you know, his power. And as I said, he did open up. He did have that jab working. And uh, of course, you know, I saw some head movement uh, by Stavern a little bit. He tried to, but uh, the you only know, head no hey Sal
1: hey Sal the only head movement you saw is when 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 Deontay <laughs> <it> was, was <laughs> smashing him in the face with a jab. That's when his head moved. You know, yeah, that's well, I, about that it. Might have been it.
2: <laughs> but I'll tell you, uh, he, he I'll tell you, Wilder. He impressed me with his power. He punches from all angles, and um, you know, I liked his comments. That, I fight like a middleweight I <laughs> you know, I'll tell you he did. He did feel good about his victory as he should have. Um, and it's going to be uh, Bill. It's going to be a style that of course, Anthony Joshua has not seen yet before in his, his short career. But right. I'll tell you what, let's give uh, Deontay Wilder his credit where it's due. He did the job and he got it done rel- relatively quickly. And he, uh, he was good. He was good. He well, did, did, did it right.
1: Well, he's never fought anybody like Joshua. Joshua has fought better opposition True. than Wilder. And, and quite honestly, Joshua has a win over Vladimir Klitschko, who is better than Deontay oh, yeah. Wilder, even at 41. At the end of the fight, Deontay Wilder had some quotes. Uh, he Bad says, quote. uh, like this was a magical night tonight. Yeah, yeah because the, yeah, because his fairy godmother his fairy godmother uh, waved the the pixie dust over uh uh Berman Stavern and, and you know he laid down but uh he says I am just ready to prove that I am the best that's all I want of course Stavern for some wasn't the best you know some already predicted I said I was going to knock him out and I did that and now over and over again I keep sending messages out to the heavyweight division that I'm the man to beat. I am the most feared. I do hit the hardest. I am who I say I am. I don't speak. I don't just say things to say it because people have cameras in my face or people have, you know, what I'm trying to say. I just want to prove that I'm the best. I want to know that for myself, which is interesting. Hold that thought. He says, "Uh, I I said I believe it. Uh, I'm receiving it. Now I want to prove it to the world. So hopefully these heavyweights in the division – Uh, see what I've done, and don't get too scared. Uh, I hope they want to feel the same way. I want to unify this division. The heavyweight division is too small to have so many champions, three, four, three. Uh, There should be uh, one champion, one face, one name, and that name uh, is uh, Deontay Wilder. Out of all of the rhetoric that came out of his mouth right then, I... Specifically, and I and I said to you, Sal. I specifically heard him say, "I want to know for myself if I'm the best." You know, I, I said it last week. I think that the really the reality uh and and you know people like myself who who are constantly questioning the level of opposition I'm not the only one you're not the only one I mean I, you know a lot of people I'm sure Deontay Wilder hears it all the time and and, and for the first time he he's not so sure he's the best. I want to know for myself if I'm the best. You know what I give Deontay uh Wilder a lot of credit for that he's willing to take the risk Sal, and that's all you can ask from him. You know, I I've, I sound like I don't like the guy, and it's not true. I do like the guy. My problem is don't pound your freaking chest when you beat up a slug. That's my hangup. But no, wanting to know if he's truly the best and wanting to prove it and see for himself, I can't. I can't criticize that at
2: all. Sal, your thoughts? No, you you can't. I mean he he's willing to challenge himself and that's what I liked about it um you know i i there is nobody else out there I want him to fight then anthony joshua that will unify not only the titles but uh, it will be a good fight and they could build it up and you know it's so funny because even in ringing uh the interview after post fight you know he was he was asked well what about the other guy that has the other belts and uh he made it sound like that he's been trying to force that fight. He's been trying to get that fight and that uh, Anthony Joshua wasn't ready to sign for the fight. Did you hear that? Did you pick that up?
1: Listen, listen, we talked about this last we, week. It's easy yeah. for somebody to say, oh, they don't want to fight. Well, that's because the fight was offered and they turned yeah. it down. They're, they're trying to get more money. So, so they spin it that way. You have to know the whole the whole thing. Yeah, um, the whole story. Let, let, me, let me read uh, another uh, quote. This one. Is actually from Anthony Joshua, um, and this was uh, Eddie Hearn, uh, who was doing a show uh, on the other side of the planet. Um, you know, was asked about Wilder and everything else, and he. Uh, this was immediately after the weigh-in, and Anthony Joshua uh, had spoken with Eddie Hearn, and you know, wanted to know his thoughts. And um, bottom line is that. Anthony Joshua said to Eddie Hearn, his promoter, uh, after Eddie Hearn said, hey, uh, what do you think? You know, this is uh, what he looks like. This is the, the, what, you know, what it looks like is going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. Anthony Joshua said, uh, and I quote, I'll eat him. I'll eat him up. A contest uh, between uh, both fighters uh, is likely, this is according to Eddie Hearn, is likely to be arranged at some point next year. Uh, he said that he uh, totally wants and has full confidence that a showdown uh, between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder will take place. He says, I think it'll take place, no question about it, in 2018. Uh, I was really interested in seeing how much Deontay weighed, uh, and uh, he, he thought that he weighed uh, a little bit. He says, uh, WBO champion Joseph Parker wants a fight. Uh, and, um, you know, wants to fight too. Here's the reality of it. The reality of it, because of the sanctioning bodies, Sal, is that, and we're going to get to this fight here in a second, but um, Deontay Wilder's next mandatory opponent is Dominic Brazil. And Anthony Joshua... Has already stated that in 2018, or at least through his promoter, has stated through on twenty eight in 2018 he wants to fight Joseph Parker to get the WBO belt, and then a fight with Tyson Fury, uh, which is a big money fight for uh, for Deontay. I mean, for uh, Anthony Joshua in England. Now that's providing uh, Tyson Fury gets his license back. Tyson Fury has a tune-up fight, um, but it does look likely that. Anthony Joshua will fight at least one big name in England in early 2018. Uh, Deontay Wilder will fight Dominic Brazil in early 2018. And then we'll probably see a showdown between these two guys, providing everybody wins uh, mid to late 2018. What do you think?
2: Well, and that's what I said. I think it should occur before July of uh, 2018, and that's exactly it. I mean, they may have their one, uh, uh, you know, what a, what a hell of a card that would be if they could put both fighters, but there'll be too much negotiation who fights last, who does this, who does that. But can you imagine if they put both heavyweights on the same card against their opponents and, uh, you know, they, they build it up to that? Uh, that would be a great, great opportunity. That used to happen. I don't think it'll happen anymore. Um, I don't know. I, I think they can do that. They can have that one fight. Uh, face their mandatories. And then, uh, as I said, <laughs> their heavyweight title title fight, the moniker will be no excuses. <laughs> you know, that's it. Get these guys in the ring by mid-2018 and uh, let them uh, see who the better man is at the end of the fight.
1: Well, now now let, let's go to the circus, or should I say, as my man Coach has been mentioning for, for several years now, the WWE part. I don't know if you picked it up or not. And, and oh, I think I picked I, it up. I, 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 you know, found myself, I, although, although I, I enjoy DVRing fights when I can, and boy, am I glad I didn't uh, commit to a post-fight on this. I, I would have been pissed off. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, because I was able to fast-forward all the, the BS, I, I, I was very limited on the Ronaldo BS and all the other stuff. But what I did have to listen through, it sounded to me, I mean, how about when Jim Gray was interviewing, uh, well, both fighters, but Deontay Wilder prior to the fight, and he's putting all the words in Deontay's mouth. Oh, you look like you're very upset. You look like... Uh, you know, you've been waiting and they've people constantly have to take cheat, try to cheat and take performance-enhancing drugs and it's been all of this and you're the best and you're this and Deontay's like uh, teals are welting up in his eyes and I'm saying to myself, what a crock of baloney this is and they're all building it up. If that wasn't a one-sided broadcast, I mean, I get it. Showtime's in bed with Deontay Wilder and Lou DiBella and everything else, but the bottom line is at least try to show uh, a little uh, uh, non-bias while you're why you're calling a fight and thank God that Al Bernstein for the for very few oh, times in yes. his life and we'll get to that in the Sean Porter fight but very few times in his life uh, during a broadcast does he get adamant about something and man he was critical uh, about the uh, refereeing and and just the whole the whole picture and it was
2: just what did you think was it WWE buildup or what? Yeah, it was. And and I, I agree with you 100%. And I heard Al Bernstein uh say something and uh in he said, "Hey guys, I'm sorry. I got to say this." And he did, rightfully so, and he was right on the money. Right on the money. Um he, even with uh some of the the referee leaning to this opponent or that opponent, it was just uh it was just a, a farce on a sense. It did seem a little bit like that. I do love uh <laughs> I do love the one line, though. I do, I do love in a post fight interview. Did you catch that? When, um, who was interviewing uh, um, uh, Jim, Deontay? Jim, Jim um, Gray. Jim Gray. Jim Gray. I love when, when Deontay Wilder says, uh, you have to give props to uh, Stevern, uh for what? The, and, 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 and then Gray goes, for what? <laughs> he, just, he just, you know, I got to give props to Stavern for what? Well, he had the courage. He, it was great. I love the lot. For what? <laughs>
1: well, when when Jim Gray – now, you got to understand, I hate Jim Gray. And the reason has nothing that. to do you with boxing. It, it has to do <laughs> – no, nah, it has to do with what he pulled with, with Pete Rose years ago. But anyway, yeah, I, I, um, I, you know, when he was interviewing uh, uh, Berman Staverne, he was trying to get Stavern to say something. Stavern, uh, couldn't he couldn't say, say a word. I, I mean, I, I was saying to myself, is somebody going to give this guy a pot of coffee? I mean, he's, is he going to stay awake? Is he going to be able to waddle so. out? You know, and then for him to suggest, out. Uh, for him to suggest that the reason why he was fifteen pounds overweight is because he was dehydrated in the first. I got news for you: when dehydration <laughs> comes back to you, when you rehydrate. It doesn't look like, you know, uh, you couldn't stay away from a buffet line for six months. I mean, this guy was fat. This guy has oh, more. He, really, he's, he's fatter than me. I'd be me. embarrassed to get in a ring like that. I, so would I. And and to suggest, he's shaking his head like he wasn't hurt when he went down. What are you kidding me? That that Like yes. you said, that one, two, that two. Landed square on his face and put him on his fat ass, you know. But uh, he, anyway. he was out on
2: his feet after that. He, he, he no way was he, he going to recover from that.
1: Yeah, all he had to do was hold on. You know, if the guy had any brain, you see, this is what my whole point. Uh, you know, you can't judge these guys when they're fighting f- opponents that don't have a clue. And even Stavern, who ironically enough held the title one time. Didn't even know to hold. I, I mean, I, you know, he could have survived that round. All he had to do after that second knockdown, all he had to do was hold on. You know, I, you knew that uh, that that Deontay was going to come charging at him. And all he had to do was hold on. Instead, he, he stayed the perfect distance away from Deontay. So Deontay could just, you know, destroy him. You know, I, I mean, you put your head down, you grab him. You, you you let a couple of seconds tick off. You try to get to your corner, uh, uh, you know, whatever. You know, I'm not saying anything would have been different. You know, to tell you the truth, I'm glad he did what he did to save us from, uh you know, the the torture of watching any more than that. It lasted too long. To tell you the truth, it lasted too long. You know, I was impressed to see Deontay, uh, you know, use his jab, but it was against literally, like you alluded to earlier, a punching bag. This guy was a punching bag. This guy... Stavern was literally a heavy bag in that ring. And and he looked like one. The only difference is the heavy bag is in better shape.
2: Yeah, he could take a little more punishment. I That's think so. I think so. Heavy a bag.
1: heavy bag could take. Uh, That's good. A heavy no. bag could take a lot more punishment <laughs> than uh, Berman Stavern. But uh, anyway, hey, Sal, hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the uh, other fights on this card. And, man, I... I think you're going to be on the same page as me with the Porter fight, but uh, let's hold that thought. We'll be back in two. Billy C.
0: will be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you.
1: (laughs) That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning.
0: Now back to Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com.
1: And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, right now I'm here with uh, my man Sal Rocky Senecola. And uh, Sal, um, the other fight that I'm going to mention here is the other heavyweight fight that was on that card that we didn't get to see. I wish we did. But um, Dominic Brazil and Eric Molina um, actually fought for the r- mandatory position to fight the winner of Wilder Stavern, and it was kind of a back and forth fight um, until uh, and and Brazil showed his chin again. I mean, this guy's got a chin, and uh, in the end, uh, Molina uh, took a shot from Brazil that that really rocked him. Uh, in the uh, eighth round, and then uh, he took a knee to get his senses back, and then his corner threw in the towel, uh, giving uh, uh, Dominic Brazil the uh, TKO win. Uh, Brazil improves to t- 19 wins, one loss, and uh, 17 of his wins coming by knockout, and Molina drops to 26 and 5 with uh, 19 knockouts. Um, you know, I, he, here's my thought Dominic Brazil uh, fought Anthony Joshua. And Joshua beat the snot out of him um i I think that you know if Dominic Brazil was a little faster and you know had a a little bit better um you know arsenal uh you know his jab is a little slow, he doesn't snap it out the way he should. his punches are a little loopy and slow, but if he was just a little better. I think he destroys Wilder, to tell you the truth. And I think Wilder is going to have a hard time with Brazil because of his chin. What was your thoughts on the fight and uh, the potential matchup between Wilder
2: and Dominic Brazil? I I like Dominic Brazil. We've seen Dominic Brazil several times. And the guy has the heart of a lion. He takes a lot of punishment. He could take a shot and he can keep coming back and he could throw a heavy shot, too. I'll tell you, Bill, I'm to make a prediction. I don't think a Dominic Brazil, Deontay Wilder fight goes past six rounds. I, I think Deontay Wilder, for the reasons that you said, if Dominic Brazil had this, if Dominic Brazil could do this, if he can't, he's limited. He's a tough contender. He's good. He's got power, he's got durability. Uh, but he doesn't have those other ifs that you would like to see him possess. Uh, so, with that being said, I think if he gets in a ring within the next four or five months with uh, Deontay Wilder, I think you're going to see uh, Deontay Wilder destroy Dominic Brazil, you know, and but, hurt him. But
1: here's here's why I think so. I, no, no, I, he should. He should. Yeah. But but
2: here's why I I give Brazil a chance. A puncher's chance. In any given night, I had to contradict myself. I didn't agree with you, and you're right. Exactly. Not only a puncher's chance, because he definitely possesses the pa-
1: Listen, the knock on Wilder, even though it hasn't happened yet, is that he's got a suspect chin. We've seen I him agree. get rocked. We've seen him do the Billy C. shuffle after 20 scotches. We've <laughs> seen it, mystery. right? <laughs> uh, but we haven't seen him get stopped. And, you know, he hasn't fought a guy with a solid chin. Brazil except for Johan Duopas. Brazil does have a solid chin. What's going to happen if Deontay Wilder, you know, and Deontay says he's got the the, the most powerful punch in, in the heavyweight division, and we can only base it on what we've seen. You know, there's my analogy again. If if the best football team plays the worst football team, which in this case could be the Giants, uh, or for 16 weeks, are they the best team? You know, I, and they win it all six times. Are they the, really the best team? You know, so does he have that much punching power? I, You know, I every time I when people talk to me about Deontay Wilder and his punching power, and et cetera, et cetera, I think of a video somebody sent me with a um, – uh, a special person, I think. Uh, in all due respect, uh, no, no disrespect to this person, but this person was trying to fight with Deontay Wilder in a gym, and they were outside of a ring. And Deontay was attacking this guy, hitting him with everything he had, and this guy wasn't even going down. And did I mention this guy weighed about 160 pounds? You know, so uh, you know what we've seen from Deontay would give the impression that he's got a powerful, powerful right hand. And I wouldn't want to get hit by it, that's for sure. Um, but when he's in there with a guy that can absorb punches, and we also, we also Dominic Brazil absorb some punches uh, with Anthony Man- Joshua. Mansour
2: and Mansour, and uh, he, he, he could absorb some punches.
1: There's no question, you know.
2: Um,
1: Right, the Mansoor fight and the, and the Mansoor oh. fight. Um, you know, remember he Mansoor, went down and out. He
2: well, came back like an ever-ready batter.
1: Well, remember Mansoor, he bit his through his tongue. His, you know, and his corner was all all pissed that he was that he couldn't continue, which is uh, you know whatever. But um, I, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see if um, you know Brazil could get past the slowness, past the you know that telegraph uh, punches that he throws and sneak one in there. Um, it, it's it, the, the, Well, the question is going to be, is Wilder going to take him lightly?
2: I don't think so. I think Wilder, uh, f- at being the self-proclaimed best out there right now, I think he's going to take himself serious and I think he's going to take any fight he has serious because I think he does know in his heart of hearts that any given night something can happen and he wants to be prepared. And he's got too much on the line at this point. And any fight he's going to be in with, it's going to be significant for him to prove to everybody that he is the best in his mind and in his heart of hearts. And to also keep himself on that upper tier and champion as long as he can.
1: Well, I think when the smoke clears, because of the sanctioning bodies, boys and girls, forget the rhetoric that we hear from Deontay Wilder saying everybody's scared of him. And forget the rhetoric from Anthony Joshua saying he'll fight him anytime he wants to clean up the division, all those things. Forget all of that. At the end of the day, um, the WBC has their claws into, into Wilder, and they just made a mandatory fight for him, and that's against Dominic Brazil. And the IBF and WBA... And IBO, which does not require mandatories, have their claws in Anthony Joshua. Now, Anthony Joshua has satisfied the IBF mandatory fight with his last win um, because Pulov was supposed to be the guy and he injured himself. So Carlos Takam was the next guy in line. So IBF can't complain, but the WBA can. And unfortunately for the WBA, they don't even have a regular champion crowned. So chances are... Um, we will see Wilder fight Joseph Parker, uh, and Deontay Wilder fight.
2: Uh, no, you meant you, Domin- mean, you meant Joshua fight Parker.
1: What did I say, Deontay?
2: Deontay, uh, I'm fight sorry,
1: Parker. I'm sorry. Thanks for picking but that I, up. It's, uh, easy, would, it's easy. I would have kept about. going. I do it all the time. Anthony Joshua will fight Joseph Parker, and Deontay Wilder uh, will fight uh, Dominic Brazil, assuming that they both get by each other. And the uh, other factor in this mix is what happens with Tyson Fury. If Tyson Fury should somehow fight in January or so, get a win and look good, uh, you could see AJ fight him to set up a Wilder fight for the end of the year. But like you suggest... Summertime, summertime blues, baby. We should be able to, assuming that uh, Wilder beats Brazil, which is not an easy fight. Let me tell you, that's not going to be an easy fight for for Deontay Wilder. It it may even be one of his toughest fights to date. Uh, If he fights and gets by Brazil and Anthony Joshua fights and gets by Joseph Parker, uh, potentially could set up a summer showdown between these two. And uh, the world of boxing would be very happy. Now, keep in mind, Triple G and Canelo are going to be fighting in May, so we're not going to see either one of these guys fight in that month because they're not going to try to compete with Triple G, uh, Canelo rematch. It would be
2: suicide, you know? No, I think they should have a, a Valentine's Day love affair with boxing. Well, I don't know what the 14th it lands on, but uh, if it was a Saturday night, it'd be great. But... Uh, I would love to see. You heard it here first. It's not going to happen. I know that. I would love to see a card showcasing these two heavyweight fights, uh, title defenses, with Anthony Joshua versus uh, Parker and uh, Deontay Wilder versus uh, Brazil. And then I'd love to see also, as the opener, Tyson Fury you imagine that card? That would be a hell of a card, a night of
1: heavyweights. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is I, I think it's great. I, I think it's a great I idea. I think it's
2: great. I, Can you imagine that? Let's have a knight of heavyweights. I, I, and uh, You know, Br- Brazil already fought in England, and
1: it would be a decent fight if Deontay was willing to go to England to fight Brazil as the co-main event to Anthony yeah, Joshua yeah. fighting Joseph Parker. I mean, oh my God! What what a card best that best. would be! And 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 we, listen, make no mistake. Let let's let's just and I got to take a break, but let's just pass through all the BS. Uh, there's no way Anthony Joshua has to come and fight Deontay Wilder in the states if he chooses to. That's a different story. But there's no way he has to. And quite frankly, Deontay Wilder can make a hell of a lot more money by going to England. De, Anthony Joshua and Deontay yeah. Wilder. Ninety-seat arena, sold out. Pay-per-view options. I mean, the money that these guys can make is astronomical. So it would be stupid for Deontay Wilder to even suggest. So you're right, Sal Rocky Senecola, They should put those fights on the same card in England. Have in Deontay England. Wilder go over and fight Brazil in England on the undercard. Assuming with over the pond. Assuming, assuming they both win, and then you know have the showdown which uh, which would be great. So uh, great, great, great idea. I I, I I vote for your voting. I vote for what you're voting for. I, I agree with you. Thank you. Hold I that thought. You, We're going to take a short break. When we come back, the rest of the card from Brooklyn. Sean Porter, did he look good or what? Do you think? <laughs> Crazy. Billy C will be right
0: back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Ow, oh, that hurts. <laughs> Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. I hate you.
1: That's billycboxing.com. Consider this your warning.
0: Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
1: And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, just before we went to break, Sal and I were discussing uh, um, the fights that took place from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. And uh, also on that card, Sal, was uh, uh, an unbeaten fighter, uh, Sergey Lipinitz who uh, improved to 13-0 when he scored a 12-round unanimous decision over Kiro Kondu, uh, who drops to 29-7 with a draw. Uh, In doing so, he picked up a uh, vacant uh, junior welterweight title that was once held by Terrence Crawford, uh, who has officially moved up uh, in weight to welterweight. I I watched this fight, and I enjoyed it. And I look at these two guys, Kondu and Lipinitz, and um, they seemed like the same guy. I mean, they had the same fighting style, and uh, uh, it was uh, it was kind of uh, entertaining. And then it just was the same for for the whole length of the fight. Uh, what's your thoughts on the uh, on the fight and the win for uh, Sergi?
2: I think it was a great fight. I thought I thought that uh, Sergi definitely uh, dominated. Uh, I gave Condu. Uh, uh, you know, maybe a few one of the one of the uh, maybe the fifth round, and he closed with the eighth, ninth, tenth. Maybe he won, but uh, you know, Lipinits I gave the eleventh and twelfth, and um, I did have the final score about one eighteen to one twelve, like some of the judges. But it was a great fight, and uh, you know, there there were some moments there. I love the the style of Lipinits. He he slips, he boxes, he's in there all the time. And these guys were fighting to win both of them, and I thought it was a great fight. And the Condu was in the fight the whole distance, the whole time. And uh, he had some good moments. Now,
1: Sean Porter and oh. uh, Adrian Granados, oh. uh, they fought for the right to uh, get the mandatory <laughs> mandatory shot at uh, uh, Keith Thurman. And I, I want to start off by saying this, Sal. You know no, I'm a Sean Porter fan. I mean, I, I, you know. I like Sean Porter. It's a great story, his father, and it's, you know, what a relationship those two have. But, man, when I watch Sean Porter fight, it reminds me of the old cartoon Captain <laughs> Man, I mean, this guy, uh, you know, all of the things that I, I try to think positively uh, uh, about Sean Porter went up in smoke on Saturday because he displayed nothing resembling boxing skill. Um, He resembled a brawler. Now, at times, I will admit that I like to see a good brawl, but I also want to see someone that can throw a jab, that can move his head a little bit, not use his head, but move his head, Um, you know, do more than what this guy does. I really believe that Sean Porter. Now, first of all, his conditioning is great, and all of the, all of those things, discipline, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but this guy needs somebody else to help him um, fine tune it. And and you could make the argument that it's too it's too far gone. Like they were saying during the broadcast that you know even Paulie Malignaggi was saying, well, you know, I don't know if you could teach him anything now, you know. But but it's a shame. Because you know, if if he if he had his hands, he did not even keep his hands up. I mean, he he just looked, he just looked barbaric in there. And you know, it was effective. He got the win. And I heard some, uh, read some comments about people saying, "Oh, do we really want to see a rematch between Porter and Keith Thurman? We want to see Thurman fight Errol Spence." And you know, I I kind of agree. And and I'm a and I'm a Sean Porter fan. I don't want to take anything away. He improved. with a draw with 17 knockouts. Adrian Granados drops to 18-6 with a couple of draws. 117-111 with the way the judges scored it. I like Adrian Granados. I'd like to see more of this guy. Um, You know, it's a shame that nobody wants to fight him. And this was the fight that Al Bernstein made comments about. The referee in this fight should be banned from boxing. I was noticing it in the beginning of the fight. He seemed to be going for Granados. He kept pushing Granados, pushing, I mean, pushing Porter, like, really hard, like, giving him a couple of shots, like he was hitting his chest. Then as the fight progressed, he switched teams, and he was doing it to Granados, you know, and uh, even even Al Bernstein said, you know, I don't want to say anything, but look, watch, let's see if he does it again. Bam, he does it again. You know, I I mean, that, referees, and, and by the way, I don't know how, um, uh, how the referee was even picked in the, in the wilder fight? Uh, Mercanti Jr. is is terrible, but uh, uh, anyway, these uh, some of these referees, specifically in the state of New York, uh, make it about themselves, and I don't know how they're allowed to do what they do. I mean, Steve Smoger was very adamant about showing which fighter he picked and and all this stuff. I'm sorry, but I thought the referee job although it was a tough one in a Sean Porter fight, was uh, was terrible. I, I I think that guy should not be allowed to. Uh, you shouldn't be punching and hitting and showing favoritism uh, towards a fighter. What was your thoughts on that? And, of course, the performance uh, by Sean Porter and Adrian Granados.
2: Well, first I'm going to tell you, with uh, the referee, I agreed with Al Bernstein, of course, and I, I applaud him for uh, saying what he said and, and not worrying about uh, being politically correct or doing anything for the network or anything else. He said it as it was, and and I agreed with him. I mean, the guy was uh, not bullying, but, I mean, he was pushing uh, uh, Granados. He was doing this. He was doing that. He wouldn't let him get it. It was almost like blaming him, like, hey, don't do this. And Meanwhile, Porter's doing it, you know, and, and it's – it was – it was a bad display of favoritism that I thought I saw. As far as the fight, I could definitely see why there's not too many people out there that would like to face Granados. The guy's tough. The guy keeps coming. The guy's in the pocket. He had a lot of good skills behind him, and he was in that fight throughout the fight. And even though it's not pretty at times, even though it's, it's, it's not what you would think is the sweet science— I've got to applaud Sean Porter. I mean, the guy has some limited skill, but he maximizes and enhances what he does have, his heart and his desire to win and his overwhelming and swarming style of putting on an attack to an opponent and being willing to wade through any arsenal or punches that his opponent may offer. I did see him move his head a little more than he usually does, and not from being the recipient of punches, he did try to move a little bit and get out of the way. He did slip a few punches. But you know what? He's got a style right now. It works for him. And it's a swarming, overwhelming barrage of punches. And if the first, second, or third punch doesn't hit you, you've got to be careful because the fifth, sixth, or seventh may. And I, like I said, he, he's fighting. He, he's not a big guy in any weight division. So he's got to do something. And he's just using what God gave him, his heart. His conditioning, his mental toughness, and his swarming style. I I like him. I like him. I like his style. It, it reminds me a little bit of what I try to do. And I tell you what, I can't take it away from him. He comes to fight, and he does give it all, and he does not leave anything else in the ring. No, but he needs in
1: a listen. He and his pops need another guy in that corner to help. Yeah, him. I, I and, can see and that. Buddy McGirt's the answer. I've said it years now. Yeah. Buddy McGirt's the answer because he knows how fragile a uh, you know boxer trainer relationship is when it's a father son deal. So big um, deal, you know it. it it's true. Um, another fight that took place earlier in the night uh, from uh, Monte Carlo. I wish I was there. What a what a cool little uh, uh, venue that was, and uh, uh, only four hundred people. But uh, WBA light heavyweight champ Dimitri Bivol. Improved to twelve and over ten knockouts when he took care of trade, Trent Broadhurst uh, in the first round, uh, knocked him out uh, in the very first round. Broadhurst drops to twenty uh, and two. Uh, also on that card, uh, Jamie McDonald, who's a WBA bantamweight champ, um, he basically fought a rematch with Librar- Librario Solis, and unfortunately, a uh, unintentional headbutt uh, in the third round left uh, Jamie McDonald uh, unable to continue. Therefore, uh, the fight uh, uh, was uh, considered a no contest. Also, former world champ Scott Quigg improved to uh, uh, 34 wins, one loss, and a couple of draws when he scored a sixth-round sixth round, uh, stoppage over Oleg uh, Yefomayic, uh, who drops to 29-3. Uh, uh, and three. And in the heavyweight division, European heavyweight champ Ajit uh, KBL improved to 17-0 with 12 knockouts when he won a 12-round majority decision over Derek Chisora, who drops to 27-8. and 8. Uh, Keep your eyes uh, open for uh, uh, KBL. Uh, this is going to be uh, one of those other guys we're going to see. Uh, maybe uh, he will eventually have a showdown with Triple D. That's Daniel Dubois at some point. So Thursday night. We didn't do a live show on Friday, but Thursday night, uh, Juan Carlos Abreu improved to 20 wins, three losses, and a draw when he knocked out uh, Jesus Soto-Carras, who drops to 28 and 13. One minute and seven seconds um, uh, was the, uh, uh, was the uh, time of that in the eighth round. Um, you know, I, I, I said this uh, prior to this fight. I mean, Jesus Soto-Carras has, has been in some wars and um, it's, uh, it's a shame that he continued. I hope this is finally the end for him. Um, he uh, did not look uh, uh, too good. But uh, I got some emails to read. Uh, but first, let's get everybody caught up with the uh, NFL scores. Oh, boy. Uh, Here we go. That's right. Uh, it's a good one for you. <laughs> uh, the Titans beat the Ravens 23 20. The Saints beat the Buccaneers 30 10. The Rams. Beat the living, you know what, out of the Giants. I mean, talk about Giant fans. You know, the the one thing, you know, yeah, I'm a New Yorker through and through, but I'm a uh, I'm not a Giants or Yankees or Knicks fan. I'm from Long Island originally, and um, you know, I've always been a Jets, Mets, Nets, uh, Islanders fan. And you know, the difference between, um, you know, Giant fans and Jet fans, or Yankee fans and Met fans is the fact that Giant fans and Yankee fans are always pounding their chest similar to Deontay Wilder. But just like Boston Red Sox and New England Patriots fans, as soon as they lose a game, they want to string everybody up. And that's what everybody's saying. We love and hate, That's what everybody's saying about the Giants right now. Clean house. Get rid of of, – uh, what's his name? Uh, the quarterback, you know, uh, Manning. Manning. has yeah, yeah, getting yeah, yeah. around too long. They get, rid get rid of Eli. He won two Super and Bowls for the Giants. Six. Get rid I of know, Eli. But that was years ago. Yeah, but
2: somebody.
1: Yeah, but somebody he's said not the same. They got to get rid of him. Well, he doesn't have a line. He doesn't have a line. He doesn't have any receivers. You know, the defense. Oh yeah, uh, he that's can't, a, that's the, what he called. The, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the 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 defense can't stop a nosebleed. You know, I I mean, come on. I, if I would't if I wouldn't have known any better I would have thought it was actually the Jets dressed up as the Giants on Sunday 51- 17 the Rams beat the snot at them. Todd Gurley ran all over them ran all over them you know and and uh, uh, the quarterback uh 2nd uh, year quarterback for the Rams just ate them up I mean uh, the Giants look pathetic 51-17 they lose the Eagles the best coach, team in and football new quarterback. Well, you know, they put uh, they put Geno Smith in the ex-Jet. And you saw how good he did. Uh, the Eagles beat the Broncos 51-23. Eagles, you know, arguably the best team in football. The Panthers squeaked out a win. Falcons tried to make a comeback, but the Panthers win twenty to seventeen. Jaguars over the Bengals twenty-three to seven. The Colts beat the Texans twenty to fourteen. Deshaun Watson, a freak accident, non contact accident in practice early in the week. Uh, tore his ACL. this kid is out for the year, and uh, it's a shame because uh, he was a bright spot for the Texans and uh, obviously they're gonna miss him losing to the Colts twenty to twelve uh, twenty to fourteen. The Cardinals beat the 49 ers 20 to ten. The Redskins held on to beat the Seahawks 17, fourteen. in a game that killed me financially, the Cowboys beat the chiefs 28, seventeen and in late game, The uh, Raiders uh, uh, got by the Dolphins 27-24. In NBA action, uh, the Hawks beat the Cavaliers 117-115. The Heat over the Clippers 104-101. The Celtics over the Magic 104-88. The Wizards beat the Raptors, 107-96. The Rockets beat the Jazz, 137-110. The Spurs beat the Suns, 112-95. The Knicks beat the Pacers, 108-101. The Timberwolves beat the Hornets, 112-94. Trailblazers over the Thunder, 103-99. And the Lakers topped the Grizzlies, 107-102. And finally, in uh, National Hockey League... The Red Wings shut out the Oilers' four-zip. Islanders beat the Avalanche 6-4. The Canadiens beat the Blackhawks 2-0. Blackhawks and the Flames, oh, those Flames, Thal. There you go They again. beat the Devils 5-4 in a shootout. We got some emails to read. Let's start off with uh, my man Willie. He says, hey, Willie. Billy C., I bet you've been in, inundated with emails over the weekend regarding the forget, fiasco of a fight that took place between Wilder and Stavern on Saturday night. Well, I wasn't expecting that, and I'm willing to bet neither were you or any of us for that matter. What the hell did we witness? Stavern may as well just have laid down on the floor before Wilder threw those bombs because he definitely didn't come to fight, did he? It must have all been planned in advance. Wilder probably paid Stiverne to put up zero resistance. I think that whole affair was set up to throw a spanner in the works of Eddie Hearn's plans. I don't think there's any reason now for Wilder to fight anyone else like White or Brazil. It's surely going to be the Joshua fight next. The online boxing fans were... uh, Baying for blood, Wilder's fans have gone nuts and calling A.J. a coward, saying that he's scared of Wilder, and now Wilder is demanding a fight with A.J. The plot thickens. Wilder has gained zero respect for knocking out Stiverne. What's great about beating a 40-year-old, washed-up, fat slob of a guy who hadn't fought for at least two years, and who's he beaten before? What's going on here? I'm dying to hear what you guys got to say about it. Lots of us fans are confused now, so please make sense of all this and explain WTF is happening to boxing. Um, You know, we talked a lot about this, Sal, and, you know, it's funny how the fan base follow their guy, and if people are suggesting that AJ is ducking um, Deontay Wilder, I, I just... I, I just see it as their only way to try and get any kind of added money to sweeten the pot. That's what it's at right now. They've offered the fight to Deontay. He's turned it down. He wants more money, more
2: money, more money. Um, anything you want to add? Well, yeah, he wants more money. Well, he knows he, he's not going to get more money if they fight here in the United States. He's got to go to England. And there is money to be made over in England, and I know that. I would love to see Anthony Joshua come to Brooklyn. I'd love to see him come to Vegas. I'd love to see him come to the Madison Square Garden. Any one of those venues would be dynamite for he and Anthony, uh, he and uh, Deontay Wilder. But the truth of the matter is the money can be generated on this mega fight over in the U.K. And I think uh, that's the definitive. And if uh, Deontay Wilder wants to really play hardball and and uh, and throw up uh, any kind of uh, opposition against negotiations, then he's going to spite himself. And you know, Anthony Joshua could still make a decent buck coming over here, uh, but you know, Deontay Wilder is going to fall short. If he if this game is about business too, Deontay Wilder should look at it as a business decision, not emotional decision, and he should go over to UK and. Go in the backyard and see if he could steal the heart and take him away.
1: There's no way that they can offer AJ yeah. more money to fight in the U.S. than he can make in the U.K. A- AJ is going to make $20 million at least to fight whoever, um, and that's that. Next email, uh, my man Mitch says, You called it, Billy C., um, <laughs> Deontay Wilder still hasn't made two million dollars. Deontay Wilder made one point four million for Saturday's win over Bermain Stavern. Stavern got five hundred and six thousand and change. Sean Porter made a half a mil. Granados made two hundred K. Lipinitz made seventy-five thousand. Condu made fifteen grand. Dominic Brazil made two fifty. Eric Molina made ninety thousand. And he says, and nobody, Porter Lipnitz or Wilder, thanked Al Heyman last night come to think of it did Charlo Hurd or Lara do it either um no not that I can recall and Al Heyman has lost his his grip you know Al Heyman and a lot of the boxing community felt that Al Heyman was saving boxing and and I loved always hearing them say well he you know he's putting his 500 million dollars into the Al Heyman didn't open up his piggy bank to put any money in. He basically extorted money from other people, spent it like a drunken sailor. And by the way, don't you, y'all must've forgot, as that top rated song by Roy Jones Jr., y'all must've forgot that Al Heyman was making a percentage of everything that he did anyway. So not only was he extorting money from investors, He was also making and burning a candle at both ends. Al Heyman didn't do anything to save boxing. He saved his own bank account by putting more and more money in. And look at all the disgruntled, unhappy fighters. Uh, And uh, Mitch, you hit it on the head there. One last email. This is from Joel Sal. He says, uh, have you enjoyed, hey, Billy C., have you enjoyed the Jets' performance Thursday night against the Bills? I went to UFC twenty seventeen at uh MSG Saturday night, had an amazing time. The three title fights provided upsets with the challenges beating the champs. Never had I seen that before. Uh the crowd was incredibly excited when George Saint Pierre returned after being gone four years to choke out Michael B Spring and win the middleweight title. Um that's good that he had a good time. Uh and uh I I, I did think the Jets and, and the way you worded it, that was their first solid performance, a full four-quarter game, and we'll see if they can keep it up. Uh, he says, uh, I finally got around to watching uh, Wilder Stiverne, uh and it was a joke, as we all discussed. Wilder called out, AJ, Mal my question to you and Sal is, will that fight get made in 2018? I think the only way Wilder can really make a big payday is going over to the UK and fighting AJ there. What's your thoughts? Um, I... You know we've talked about that Sal uh, today a lot, and uh, I believe that the only way that uh, that fight won't get made is if uh, Anthony Joshua, I mean, uh, if uh, Deontay Deontay Wilder outprices himself. I think he should take the money that was offered. Um, You know, if he performs well and even wins, you know, he's he's putting more and more money in the bank. You know, there's nothing wrong with losing. Should he lose? He could he could you know demand a rematch he could fight again and, and win a couple of more times then get a rematch I mean I, you know to fight the fight now and to take the money and just like uh, Mitch uh, said earlier you know the guy has not made two million yet you know no. he was offered uh, four or seven million for the fight plus the. US TV rights and played uh, correctly, he could pull in another couple of million there. I- I- I'm sorry. I- I- it-, it would be stupid. If anybody is advising, um, you know, uh, Deontay Wilder to hold out, they're-, they're leading this kid in the
2: wrong way. What's your thoughts? I believe you uh, 100%. And the bottom line is, hey, you want to entice him? You want to guarantee it? Give him ten million dollars. Don't give him the rights. Just say you, we're going to pay you ten million dollars. Let the rights be uh, uh, going towards uh, the pool to feed. Give uh, give Joshua twenty million. Give uh, uh, Wilder ten million. Bring them over here and let the uh, promoters uh, allocate the monies from their revenue generated from the pay per view and from the live gate. And that's it. Um, the other idea would be, like I said, get Deontay Wilder. A little little bit of exposure in the UK. They should have him come over and fight uh, Brazil and and do it right on the undercard of Anthony Joshua fighting uh, Parker. I mean that would be a layup. That'd be great. Just come over here, see what it's like. Get your feet wet. You don't have any. You don't want to have a. You know you, we want to give you a preview of what it's going to be like, and uh, I think it'll be great.
1: Well, but I, definitely, I still he, like. I still like your idea. It would be great to see um, Deontay Wilder fight Dominic Brazil uh, as the co-main event uh, 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 in England on the card. That would feature AJ and Joseph Parker, and uh, with the two winners facing each other uh, down the road. I, that that's the fight. You know, I, I give Deontay credit. Uh, he did. Uh, he only fought for two minutes and fifty-nine seconds, but he did what he was supposed to do. He took care of a fat, slob, piece of garbage fighter in a quick amount of time. Didn't pussyfoot around, didn't try to, to linger, didn't try to put in rounds, didn't try to – took care of this guy the way he should have. Uh, Staverne deserved to be in no ring, let alone a ring with, with Deontay Wilder. Um, no. I, I applaud Deontay for making quick work of him. And, and I also applaud what looked like him using his jab uh, again, which is something that, you know, I hadn't seen in a while. But uh, uh, when it's all said and done, yes, the fight we all want to see, Deontay Wilder go up against A.J., and neither one of these guys are ducking each other. It's the other people involved that are uh, putting uh, cogs in the wheel, I think. and, and I believe that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, listen, I read the comments from Deontay Wilder, and I truly believe uh, that uh, what he says is true. He says, I want to know for myself if I'm the best. And to me, that's the most true statement that has ever come out of his mouth, and uh, I respect him for it. And, And you know what? If this kid, and because of it, you know, if this kid turns around and wins and beats A.J., then he is the best. We can't we can't argue that point. I mean, it, it is what it is. You you let your fist do the talking, right, Sal?
2: Ah, uh, you're one hundred percent right, and uh, I I agree with you. And uh, you know, I think that's uh, that's the way it should go. And, and I still can't get over. It. I love Jim Gray's comment. I, I I'm reading it here because I wrote it down. Again, I'll say it. I know it's redundant, but I love when <laughs> Deontay Wilder in the interview post fight. Again, said, give props to Stavert. Gray said, for what? <laughs> I love that. That's great because he just was a over overweight puff bag of uh, an opponent. And Deontay Wilder, as we said, uh, did what he had to do. He was going to stink up the ring if it went past two or three rounds. So he did what he had to do, get him out of there as soon as possible. And thank you, congratulations, Deontay Wilder.
1: You know, Showtime was pathetic with with the broadcast with their announcing team i mean renala we all know that he's a piece of garbage and i wish uh, he you know like the cartoons i wish he would walk out of a building and a big safe would fall on his head but um but then again his head is so big uh that uh, maybe the safe wouldn't even hurt him but but the truth of the matter is is they're pathetic uh you know totally biased uh, you know they've become the promoter of these fighters and it's disheartening to watch Thank God Al Bernstein uh, very rarely uh, went after uh, the right things that he should have uh, because it was a joke, and uh, it's sad for boxing when it happens. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Dax Khan is scheduled to join us, and uh, we'll get his thoughts uh, on uh, the Deontay Wilder annihilation of Berman Staverne and the Dimitri Bivel annihilation of Trent Broadhurst all coming up. In two. Billy C.
0: will be right back. Part of the Billy C. Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate
1: you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning.
0: Now back to Billy Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com
1: And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, so far all morning long we've been uh, talking mostly about uh, Deontay Wilder's win over a Big sack of potatoes known as uh, Berman's Tavern. And joining us right now to give us his thoughts is uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax.
0: Good morning, Billy C. Thank you for being with me.
1: Ah, I'm, th- I'm th- sick. <laughs> You're welcome. What was your thoughts on two minutes and 59 seconds of uh, all-out action?
0: You know, what is there to say? Um, you know, supposedly uh, Stavurn wanted the fight. Um, for two years, he claimed all these things about the first fight. It was an injury. Um, any other excuse that came to mind? The Luis Ortiz fight falls through because of that failed test. So Stavurn gets his his opportunity, comes in at 254 pounds. He makes these excuses about the weight, starving himself in the past. Um, I was only 247 pounds in my hotel room, so I ate, and that's why I was 254. At no point in time did he sound confused. Convincing. I mean, he's like rolling his eyes, and he's like, I hope they're believing this. Because, you know, he's not even believing what he's saying. You know, he didn't give an effort. It was over 90 seconds before he even threw a, a punch. He goes down um, hard in that corner. He didn't even... Um, Give any concern, like me and Sal were talking. When somebody goes down that hard in a corner, the first thing you want to do as a fighter is you look at the ref, you're trying to convince the ref, yeah, I'm okay, I can go on because, you know, this is a championship fight. He didn't even bother, he had no head movement. After the second knockdown, you know, it it didn't matter. Sal was saying, um, he didn't hear what Severn said. I said, uh, the referee asked, you know, were you okay? And Severn said, as soon as I get to the bank and cash a check, you know, (laughs) and then that was it. He went down, and, you know, that was the end of it. Um, Wilder, you want to credit him for the performance, but unfortunately I can't only because, you know what, he just went in there and just hit a guy that there was nothing coming back at him. Wilder did his job, you know, so uh, you have to credit him for that much. But in terms of what we learned and what we seen from that fight, you know, it, there was nothing, you know, there's nothing really talk about except for the lack of effort by Berman Stiverne. And in my opinion, I said on social media during the, at, during the fight, and I said to Sal, they should withhold his purse. He gave no effort.
1: Yeah, you know, I thought he did look after the first knockdown. He did look up at the ref and and shake his head like it didn't hurt him. It didn't bother him, you know. But it was a it was a like Sal and I discussed earlier. I mean, it was a classic one-two. He led with the jab and came back and smashed his face with the right hand and put him on his ass. I mean, there's no uh, other way or, around it. And and I found it funny that he said that the reason why he uh, uh, was 15 pounds lighter in the first fight is because he was dehydrated and that this extra 15 pounds was just <laughs> <laughs> fluids and stuff. It looked like donuts to me, <laughs> really man. Fluid. He looked like a fat bastard. Yeah.
0: Hey, it was fluids, all right. I mean, but you if you remember, this basic one-two, that's how Deontay Wilder actually won the title. When you watch our first fight, that's all it was. All night was a basic one-two. You know, Berman staverne ha- has no um, no angles to him. It just really shows exactly how shot uh, Chris Ariola was in their fights.
1: Yeah, well, Chris Ariola clearly was shot, and it's a shame. I mean, he was a warrior and then looked for a couple of paydays. But the at the end of the day, what I saw in this fight from a positive note for Deontay Wilder was, A, I liked that he did start out using his jab, um, which gave me, uh, or at least in my mind, gave the indication that he was taking the fight seriously because in, in all the other fights except for his other fight with Stavern. He just wanted to come out and blow them away. So he did display some kind of a game plan. And the other thing I liked was that he took care of this bum quickly. I mean, uh, you know, if it would have dragged on, we would have been talking about he should have taken him out. This guy did nothing. Uh, and, and he took care of business quickly like he should have. And I also agree with you. I mean, Stavern couldn't even come up with any verbiage when they were asking him questions. I mean, do you he, know where he, you are. It was a joke. <laughs> no, no, not the, not the ref. He goes, oh yeah, yeah, oh, that's right. I'm in New York. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm talking about in the pre-fight stuff. You know when he should have been talking smack. He, he didn't even. He couldn't even come up with any words to say. Unbelievable.
0: And what about Wilder in his post-fight? Um, I and, don't and, like no, it. No, back, back to what you were saying, Bill. Yes, you know Wilder. He's definitely evolving slowly in front of us, and I think uh, he's trying to silence these critics. And he has a tremendous jab when he uses it, and he works behind it. And he's one of those guys that actually, because of his long reach and his power, he can beat a lot of guys just using that one-two and his uh, footwork because he's mobile. But as for his post-fight interview, I thought I was watching Happy Gilmore with, with his rhymes. You know, it was almost like oh, I'm see- saying, you know, is this Shooter McGavin? He's like AJ. Listen what I say. You don't want to fight me any day. You know, I'm waiting. I'm
1: like, what is this here? <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I, he was
0: I better it. than Berman Severn's rapper, though. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hey, I that will tell true. you this. The one thing, and, and Sal and I discussed this earlier, but the one thing I do respect about Deontay is I, I think it wasn't BS that when he said, and I quote, I, I just want to prove I'm the best. I want to know for myself if I'm the best. To me, it seems like Deontay Wilder, Dax, has reached a plateau where he's starting to realize, well, wait a minute, maybe what some of these guys say is true. Maybe I've been, you know, pumped with a, a, a lot of uh, BS, and, and maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Maybe these guys that I'm fighting aren't good. I, now he seems like he really legitimately wants to prove to himself, not only to naysayers like me, but to himself that he's the best and wants to see it. I respect him for that. What's your thoughts?
0: Well, you know, of course. Um, you know, a lot of, we speak about this all the time. Uh, you know, these days, a lot of guys are more about the money than than the glory. I think Deontay Wilder, uh, like a lot of other guys in that PBC stable, they felt that this was the right way to go. You know, with Luttabella promoting uh, most of the cards that he's been on. You know, he felt okay. I'm in the right area. Now all of a sudden, he's seeing everything around him. He's seeing these other big fights. He's seeing the money these guys are making. Now he's saying to himself, "You know, not only you know am I not making the money that they are, but I thought I was going to come out here and I was going to get the stage that they're doing, and I'm really not getting any more exposure or doing anything better than these guys on my undercards. Where's my opportunity? You know, I'm working hard. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Um, I'm trying to entertain the fans. Dante really isn't this brash. Ball guy that you know he, he always uh, tries to come out with lately. If you see, that's more uh, less been more incorporated into his uh, recent, uh, you know, four, last three or four fights trying to entertain these fans. Now he just wants that fight and he wants to be able to sit there and say, I am the best for himself. After a while, you got to say to yourself, You know what? Everybody else is making money around me, everybody else is making more money than I am off of me. You know what? Now this is my time because I'm the one taking these punches, and I think that's what's going on in Deontay Wilder's head. And good for him. Danny Jacobs did the same thing yeah good
1: well point. um that is a good point uh dimitri bivel you're you're high on bivel what would you think in that fight
0: how do you not you know how do you how do you not love that fight i mean you know bivel you know it's 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 he's a guy he goes out there and you know the the only thing really in that fight was that uh aura of uh, mystery with Trent Broadhurst. Uh, you have to remember over this last year or so, matter of fact ever since um, Lucas Brown beat Rusan Shigaya for that WBA heavyweight belt, uh, these Australian fighters have been playing this role of spoiler and playing this role well. In July, Jeff Horn upset Manny Pacquiao, uh, Damian Hooper whose resume is very similar to Trent Broadhurst, not only in uh, the terms of wins and losses, but also in the quality of opponent. He upset uh, uh, Umar Salimov, uh, who was uh, considered to be in the mix of prospects with a Bibble and Uh, Vazic. uh so uh, it was kind of a uh, can we see this type of upset again? Even though on paper, you know, wasn't likely. Uh, you know, they go in there. The only common opponent was uh, Berridge, who uh, Broadhurst lost to in 2011. He won 12 fights since uh, Bibble stopped him earlier this year in uh, four rounds. Uh, you know, so but we didn't get to see much. Bibble came out. Uh, he was very composed. He does have better defense than people give him credit for. It's a sub. You know, it's a subtle defense. Uh, he moves his head. He, he kind of rolled the punches, uh, but, you know, that power, that uh, the way that punches went broke right through the guard of Broadhurst, who actually came out towards Bivol. You would think that, you know, a guy like Bivol, with somebody coming straight towards him, he might have uh, felt a little uncomfortable. But, you know, the expression on his face never changed. I'm telling you, in my opinion, this guy is, you know, probably the one to watch more than... Um, uh, more than Peter Biev, and I definitely I think more than Vodzic. I think uh, Dmitry Bivel is the guy to watch in this division. And what I really love at the end were his comments when they asked him, Where do you think you stand in the light heavyweight division? He says, You know, everybody's supposed to believe that they're, uh, you know, they're the best. But, uh, you know, I want to be considered the pound for pound best. He's not looking just to dominate a, uh, a division, he wants to actually be the best. You know, that kind of goes with like, what you were saying you liked about what Deontay Wilder was saying. You know, Bivel has higher aspirations than just claiming a division.
1: True, true. I mean, the bottom line is the best have to fight the best. Don't you agree?
0: Well, he is willing. Remember something now. You know, this guy, he was supposed to, uh, you know, after he won that title, he was supposed to fight Cleaverly. The WBA uh, made an exception for Nathan Cleaverly to fight Badu Jack. So Badu Jack, we all know, goes out there. He blows out Nathan Cleaverly. He wins the title. WBA mandates um, uh, purse negotiations for Bivel against Badu Jack. For whatever reasons, Badu Jack decides to vacate that title, and that's how uh, Dimitri Bivel got elevated to uh, uh, regular champion status. So it's not like this kid doesn't want to fight the best, and that's not saying that anybody is ducking him. It's just early in his career right now. But, you know, the kid does want to fight the best, and as long as he gets the opportunities, I believe he's going to be the guy that shines in this division.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, he's young enough. He looks like a he looks like he should be in high school, man. You know, uh, you know that he has the, a
0: tremendous amateur background.
1: No, I know, I know. But you know, the thing is, is I'd like to see him fight in a longer fight. Like I was saying in the chat room, you know, uh, his last several fights haven't really gone. I mean, he did go, he did go to distance a couple of times. But I'd like to see him in there uh, against uh, you know one of the top uh, uh, top fighters. And have him. I want to see him break down an opponent. I, I, I want to. I I think that what's lacking in the sport of boxing today is fighters' ability to go in there and break down an opponent and then win the fight. In other words, what we do see is a lot of overmatched fights where you know we have a, a showcase fight, if you will, where one guy is the the A side and he goes in there and annihilates the B side and then pounds his chest. I want to see good old-fashioned, let's break down a fighter. Let's see a 50-50 fight. Let's see who's better at breaking down his opponent and winning the fight in the later rounds. That's, you know, by stoppage. That's, uh, that's what I'd like to see from Bivel.
0: We're going to see that eventually, and you know what, when that usually happens, when guys get put into that situation, that's really where we find out who shines, because a lot of these guys that do get these early uh, uh, knockouts, when they get put into that situation, we find out that, you know, they weren't prepared for it. Uh, Sergey Kovalev, I believe, is a perfect example uh, of that, but, you know, um, Bibble, what they did ask him, they said, would you like to have gone more rounds? He just kind of shrugged his shoulders, and he said, you know, I know fans like knockouts for the first round or 11th round. They hope they're happy they got a knockout. Short story, but... Fact, you know, in uh, April and June of this year, Bibbula stopped Samuel Clarkson and Cedric Agnew in back-to-back fights, and they were sensational stoppages. In uh, February 2015. Um, down in Port Chester, the day you called me up telling me about uh, Manny Pacquiao and uh, Floyd Mayweather that signed their fight, and I go down there and uh, Samuel Clarkson and Cedric Agnew uh, fought each other. At no point in time when I'm on the ring apron and we're talking amongst each other, you know, um, which of these two guys are going to succeed, could we ever uh, came up and said, you know what? I guarantee they both get knocked out by the same guy in the same year.
1: Well, there you have it. You know, I <laughs> listen. I I think that it's great to have. Um, these fighters coming up now that um, are willing to fight each other, you know, and that's what we, we still need. We still need that. We need it, you know, uh, in uh, across the board, really.
0: We do need that, and, you know, it's 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 uh, we're starting to see more of these fighters being vocal. They want it. Now it's up to the promoters and the networks and the sanctioning bodies to make sure it happens.
1: One last question I want to ask you has nothing to do with the fights over the weekend, Dax. It has to do with Jesus Soto-Carras from Thursday night you know, we've seen this guy in, in some wars over the years, and sometimes he looks really good, and sometimes he looks really bad. In his previous fight, prior to the one last Thursday, um, I thought that it, it was over for him, you know, I I really didn't think that he should be uh, fighting anymore, and when they announced his fight, I was a little skeptical, and, and the way they announced it almost seemed like they were trying to get him a uh, a W, you know, and he goes ahead and gets knocked out. Looked very bad, uh, sluggish. Um, took way too many shots, and and now his his uh, opinion is, you know, he doesn't know what he's going to do now. And and that kind of made me think that, you know, he doesn't have anything else. That's why you know he knows boxing, and that's why he's he's staying in it, pushing the envelope a little too long. What's your thoughts? I mean, somebody has somebody that cares about this guy has to tell him. It's over
0: you got to love Karras because, you know, he is just exactly that. He's a warrior. Boxing needs warriors. Not everybody's going to be an elite and a world champion. He's always been a guy who's been vocal and, you know, accepts that fact. But, you know, you're right. You know, it is – this is what I do. He has nothing to fall back on. That's another thing where I have always spoken about. That's the difference with a lot of this era. A lot of these guys have something to fall back on because a, boxing is a young man's sport. You know, it's a shame, though, to see a guy go out like that who's been such a warrior. And I do agree. Hopefully somebody says, you know what? this is what, you know, it's time for yourself. But, you know, when you don't have anything else to fall back on and you do have a family to feed, it's like, you know, what are you going to do? You know, and unfortunately, that's, you know, that's the position that uh, Jesus Soto-Carras is in. Uh, Maybe, you know, if if with any luck, um, he can get into training and get into something else. But, you know, considering he does have a family, and considering uh, the punishment he's taken over the years, not just in this fight, you know, those uh, that's the type of punishment that affects you two, three, and four years down the road after you retire from the ring. So, you know, right now, Jesus Solo Carras, not only for his sake, but his family's sake, needs to say, you know what, enough is enough. I have to find something else to do. Boxing, unfortunately, doesn't look out for their Warriors when their time is over in the ring. And that's one of the things about this sport I've always disliked.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a shame, and I think you hit it right on the head. I would love to see a guy like Jesus Soto-Kares get into the sport in another fashion, training, promoting, something like that, um, you know, to keep him involved in it and just uh, keep him out of harm's way. You know, he, he has shown the signs of a guy that's uh, going to not be in great shape in a few years from now, and, he's, and his style of fighting, I mean, he's a warrior, you know, and uh, he's been in tough fights. You know, if anybody uh, doesn't believe it, all they got to do is look at his resume. I mean, it speaks for itself. But uh, any final thoughts, Dax?
0: Oh uh, yeah, you know the uh, two final thoughts. You know, I was not, as far as the Sean Porter fight. Uh, you guys pretty much said everything I was gonna say. Uh, you know, Sean Porter, I can care less if I ever seen him again. I like the kid, but you know what? He's regressed as a fighter. Um, as for referee Gary Rosado, uh, you know, he was shameful. Adrian Granados, unfortunately, he was exactly right in his post-fight comments where he said, you know what? I it's like, I gotta knock these guys out. You know, when uh, I, I, prior to tonight, he's only lost by majority decision or split decision. He's never actually been dominated and he's created a lot of upsets, that's why these guys don't want to put him in against anybody. Sean, uh, Sean Porter has better uh, ability to fight than what he did this weekend, but I actually don't believe that with the team he has behind him anything is going to get any better. And the last thing I have to say, you know, personally is, you know, a couple years ago, uh, you know, uh, Pritchard Cologne and Terrell Williams fought, and uh, after that, Pritchard Cologne ended up in a coma, and even though he's gotten a little bit better, he's not uh, fully well now. He's never going to be able to function on his own. Um, in that fight, Terrell Williams fell more than two dozen times. I broke that fight down on this show on uh, October 17th or the 22nd. You know, exactly round by round. And not only that, but uh, previous fights for Terrell Williams and uh, the the incompetent referee Joseph Cooper. You know, this is boxing, things happen, you know, uh, but, you know, the history of Terrell Williams and the fact he's done that so many times is shameful. He apologized, he said um, in interviews, uh, he doesn't know he's ever going to be the same again, he wishes it never happened, but, you know, he never actually came out and uh, went out of his way to do anything for Pritchard Cologne, you know, whether or not it's a GoFundMe page or or anything like that. Now, two years later, Terrell Williams is scheduled to fight. Um, He's going to fight November 16th at the Cosmopolitan on the undercard of a May whether in a uh, a TGB promoted card. Uh, That's a card headlined by uh, Julian Williams and Ishii Smith. There's a lot of fighters on the card I like, but you know what? We're always complaining in this sport about guys on peds, guys uh, not making weight and everything like that. You know what? When we got guys out there that blatantly cheat like that and we have incompetent referees, we need, as fans, and we need, as the media, to step out and tell these promoters and tell these venues, if you put this guy on this card, we're not going to buy these tickets and we're not going to attend. So, you know, everybody out there, you know, they need to sit there take to your social media accounts and tell the Cosmopolitan tell bounce tv tell mayweather promotion tell tgb you know what you put this guy on this card we don't want us we're not going to buy these tickets take control of this there's no reason why a guy like that should get a payday especially on a, a card like that promoted by promoters of that level after a two-year layoff when he's nothing but a cheater
1: good point point. and uh well how is per- cologne doing
0: He's doing better, you know, he, he's up, he can walk, uh, not, he can't walk, but you know, he can uh, do minor things, uh, whether or not it's physical therapy, you know, touch things, um, you know, people talk to him, you know, he's uh, responsive, but he can't have a conversation, you know, more or less, uh, it's pretty much uh, like uh, a uh, Gerald McClellan type situation, where he's never going to be able to function on his own as a young man, and that was because, uh, not maybe not just because of that fight, we know in boxing that only takes one punch, uh, even though you walk into that ring, you're great, and you just get tapped, it could be previous damage, that was there, but over two dozen times this guy hit Richard Cologne behind the head, and not only did he do that, but he actually looked at the at the spot he was going to hit him, and then he would hit him afterwards, it's not like they were by accident, you know, when you break that down on video, and uh, Thoreau Williams did that many times, and then you're going to come out and say, I'm sorry, you're not sorry, you're a dirty fighter, you enjoyed what you did, you didn't care, you don't deserve to have a payday, I won't do anything, that, uh, any, I don't care who's on that card, I wouldn't pay for it, I wouldn't go see any fighter on that card, is that punishing the other fighters? I don't know, I don't care, what I'm telling me is that, you know, the promoters and the networks and the venues, they don't care about the fighters like we we're talking about with uh, Jesus Soto Carras. You know something, you're going to put a guy in there like that, even as uh, to feed somebody else to just don't, you know, that that's the problem with the sport and that, you know, fans need to take control of the sport and tell these promoters what they do want. We tell them what fights we want, we need to tell them who we don't want in that ring.
1: Good points. Dax, we'll look forward to you next time, my man.
0: Alright, everybody, enjoy your day.
1: Take care, Dax. You know, uh, Sal, um, you know, Dax is talking about uh, refs and 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 you know I'll add judges to the mix. You know, this has been one of the problems with the sport. I mean, we don't police. But it's always been right. Always been. Well, we don't police the referees and judges. You know, Gary Rosado and his is his, uh, um refereeing the Porter uh, uh, Granados fight the other day and. You know, I've mentioned uh, Steve Smoger is is uh, like that. Joe Cortez, who's actually a Hall of Famer, who trains new referees, uh, almost got several fighters killed because of his ineptness. Um, you know, the judges are, are always under scrutiny. I mean, this is the problem with the sport. You know, I, I, I do understand where Dax is coming from, but at the end of the day, you know, boxing is is risky, and, and fighters know the risk when they are getting their gloves laced up for the first time. I mean, it's something that is one of these sports we can cry for safety as much as we want, just like they're trying to do it in football, in the NFL. But at the end of the day, it's a risky sport. And, you know, the combatants that, are, that choose, nobody's being forced into it, that choose to be involved in these types of sports, specifically boxing, have to know what the repercussions are. And, um, you know, to suggest that, you know, some of the ideas, they wear headgear, they're not allowed to hit in the head, and in football they do away with kickoffs, you can't tackle, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't go after a quarterback. I mean, it's ruining the sports. It, it, they should either ban them altogether. And, and who's making the decisions? At the end of the day, don't the athletes, aren't they the ones that make the final decision? And, yeah, they're all going to change their tune when they are hurt or can't perform normally anymore. And then they're going to blame it on the same sport that they chose to be in. It's, it's, a, it's a really gray area, Sal. It
2: is. But what you said, Bill, uh, is very powerful. Uh, You know, I'll tell you, it's uh, we know the inherent risks. What we do, we're adults. If you're 18 or 21, whatever you want to call it. Like I said, I was told by my father and by people, you want a career in boxing? There's some inherent risks. Risks I've had over 250 Stitches I've had 10 perforated eardrums here eight there separated Retinas I knew this was all Part of the game part of the territory And I decided After a doctor talked to me In 1986 and he said Maybe give it two more years and get out By the, 20, by the time you're 28 he told me Why and I did I walked Away and didn't want to but I Did walk away and I thank God every day for that doctor And those words Uh and I'll tell you what. Had I gone also with my continued style, I remember. Lou Duva made a comment after, uh, you know, because I was with the Duvas uh, early on. And uh, then I went to uh, Ali Stolz, Johnny Torres, a couple different trainers after Giacchetti and uh, uh, and Don Turner. And Duvas made a comment said, oh, yeah, they ruined Sal. Because I learned a little bit more boxing. I wasn't just going in like a Sean Porter all the time. But because I wanted to see and wanted to change a little bit. I didn't want to eat every punch that was thrown at me. But that's neither here nor there. The game of football, the game of hockey, the game of any contact sport, the athletes do know the inherent risks that do happen. And you know what? It's like I said, the prize at that young age is worth the price. And when you're older... And you're able to look at things differently, maybe that prize, you got to assess is it still worth the price? You made a great, great stance, and I think it's something that they should consider. Before any contact sport, let there be on file a personal file that only physicians can access of a fighter, football player, hockey player, soccer player, any contact sport. Let them get an MRI of their brain. And let them see where it is. And then on a yearly basis when they have to get their new license for, for whatever they do or after a big concussion or after a knockout, maybe they should see and compare. Where does it look? What, what is it looking like now compared to what it started as? I think that's a fair assessment. And I think a doctor or a manager should be responsible to sit down with uh, their, their fighter or their soccer player, their uh, hockey player, their football player. There should be somebody to sit down and say, hey, look, this is where you were. This is where you are. This is what could happen. And you know what? Let the athlete decide. I don't want to see pillows for pox and gloves, 25 ounces, 30 ounces. I don't want to see headgears. I don't want to see uh, no tackles. You know, it changes the sport. But if you're careful, if you have some preventive measures, the guys are accountable. They can take their due diligence and they can make their own decisions based on what I said earlier. Is the prize worth the price? That's it.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and you make a good point. When you're younger, the prize is worth the price. Easy. Yeah, it's, it's an easy happen, decision. I mean. Easy decision. And as you age, and this is why a lot of these guys. Uh, will all of a sudden start pointing fingers? Well, now I can't do it because of the NFL, right. or now I, you know, I, I can't, I can't uh, function right because I was in all these fights. But if you ask them at a young age, is the price worth the, is the prize worth the price? The answer is yeah, 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 yeah. But by having the head scan and and the way you put it, uh, you know, uh, yes, I've, I've, I've said that that should be required. Um, Brilliant. You know, I think and, and the thing is, is like you said, you know, after a, a, a hard fight, a concussion in, in sports or even a knockdown in boxing where you have a, a specialist looking at the the comparison of the head scans, here's, here's the one you took when you turned pro, here's the one that, you know, you, we took uh, after the knockout. Look at the difference. You see this area here? Well, this could be this. This could be that. Now what do you think? You know, and then that individual – would make their own decision. Is the price still worth the prize? You know, great point. But one thing I want to add real quick is um, a lot of things uh, surround Rocky Marciano's 49-0 and record. And um, one of the issues that uh, Floyd Mayweather successfully basically tarnished, in my opinion, was making it seem like nobody else had gotten to 49-0 and successfully Floyd got to forty nine and zero and surpassed it, even though his fight against um, Conor McGregor McGregor Farse, had never. Farce, yeah, yeah, okay, but, but whatever. It's it's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah. So theoretically, Floyd has a fiftieth win. Now, there's been many many fighters who have uh, surpassed fifty wins without losing. the The significance here was losing, um, retiring with forty nine and zero, retiring uh, as Floyd Mayweather has done now at fifty and zero. The truth of the matter is, is that it was only significant in the heavyweight division. No heavyweight ever made it to forty-nine and zero. Um, other divisions, we've seen many fighters. And the first one that pops in my head is Julio Cesar Chavez made it to eighty, over eighty fights before losing his first one. Oh, um, you know, so so the significance was heavyweight. But once again, you know, Floyd Mayweather was able to manipulate and smokescreen the uh, fans to believing that. He did something uh, outrageously uh, special. Well, on November 25th, the current WBC world minimum champion uh, Wang Hang Mayothin, uh will be fighting for his 49th win. Uh, he currently is 48 and 0, and he's looking to uh, tie that uh, Marciano 49 and 0 uh, fight against another fighter who's not a world beater, but he certainly has had pro fights. Uh, He's had, um, it looks like, uh, uh, 30 fights or so. Um, You know, so, you know, the point I'm making is that don't always believe all of the hoopla. Uh, Mayo Thien is most likely going to surpass 50 wins, and he'll maybe get to 60. Who knows? With that division, uh, not only are the fights hard, uh, but, uh, but, you know, a lot of times you're fighting guys that don't look that impressive on paper. I just wanted to give um, this uh, WBC uh, minimum weight champion uh, Wang Hang Mayothan, uh credit. He's currently 48-0, uh, and, and on November 25th, he's vying for 49-0, one fight uh, behind uh, Floyd's 50-0 uh, in a whole topic that really doesn't have anything to do with any division other than heavyweights. Um, our our uh, trivia question has been getting a whole lot of uh, fun responses from people. I bet. Uh, and they've been giving me all kinds of answers, and uh, I got this long-winded uh, 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 answer from my man Willie and his deduction <laughs> and how he got to it, and he was wrong. Uh, coach uh, trying to uh, do it from memory uh, has sent me uh, countless emails, uh, and he's wrong. Um, we got uh, many uh, other emails from other uh, listeners and and the reason why I mentioned Willie and coach is because I see them uh, interact on a regular basis in the chat room so you know I know those guys uh, from uh, just looking at the emails and and I want to thank everybody uh, for attempting to get this question right with their emails so I'm going to read it one more time because guess what nobody's gotten it right yet. The question, um, if you get it correctly, if you answer it correctly, and you're the first one to get it correctly by emailing me, Billy at Talkin TalkinBoxing, dot com, you'll win your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship computer game, which is a uh, simulation game. It's, it's, it's a great game. It's the same one Alex uses for our blast from the past. Um, and uh, this one's a, a tough question. The question is, who did Jack Dempsey say was the greatest fighter of his weight and height he ever saw? Who did Jack Dempsey say was the greatest fighter of his height and weight that he ever saw, meaning Jack Dempsey? I'm going to give you guys a hint, all right? Um, It was not a heavyweight. It was not a heavyweight. Look in the lower weight classes and look prior to 1970 prior to now it could be a little prior or a lot prior so which fighter not Aaron who's not a heavyweight and was you know fighting prior to 1970 did jack dempsey say was the greatest fighter of his weight and height that he ever saw if you're the first one to email me the correct answer billy at talking boxing dot com, you'll win uh, the title bout championship computer game on this day November 6th in boxing history. In 1995, Daniel Zaragoza wins a 12-round decision over Hector Asirio Sanchez to regain the WBC junior featherweight title, and that took place in Inglewood, California on this day in 1995. On this day in 1957, Alphonse Halami wins a 15-round decision over Paul Macias to win the NBA and retain his world bantamweight title and that took place in Los Angeles, California on this day in 1957. On this day in 1982, Alicio Mercedes wins a 15-round decision over Freddie Castillo to win the WBC Flyweight title. And that took place in California on this day in 1993. Evander Holyfield wins a 12-round decision over Riddick Bowe to regain the WBA and IBF World Heavyweight titles in Las Vegas. On this day in 1981, I loved this fight, by the way. On this day in 1981, Larry Holmes knocks out Ronaldo Snipes in the 11th round to retain his WBC World Heavyweight title, and that took place in Pittsfield, Pennsylvania. Holmes, who got dropped in the 7th round, uh, was uh, responsible for issuing Ronaldo Snipes his first loss, uh, dropping his record to 22-1. and Holmes, on the other hand, improved to 39-0. and 0. On this day, November 6th in 1918, Jack Dempsey knocks out Battlin' Levinsky in the third round to improve to 44 wins, 4 losses, and 9 draws in their heavyweight bout that took place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Levinsky drops to 37 wins and 7 losses with 10 draws. Uh, Dempsey weighed 185 pounds for this fight. And wow. uh, that concludes uh, what took place on this day in boxing history. Sal, we uh, are looking forward to another busy uh, show tomorrow and Wednesday. We are off on Thursday, but we're scheduled to be back on Friday. So uh, I hope everybody uh, – hey, don't forget, if you take the time to drop me an email, we'll take the time to read it. So just email me, Billy at Talking. Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. This concludes our show for today. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao,
2: baby.